really what it comes down to is just simple experiences, like these very elemental parts of our lives. What do we think? What do we do? And sort of how are we relating to our experience? So I, a number of years ago, and I was, I think when I was creating my, my blog on psychology today, I had to give it a name and I was you know, trying to think of something brief. And I thought, you know, well, think, act, be, that captures the elements of cognitive, behavioral, therapy, so the CBT part, and then B for mindfulness, for just that, that being, that presence. Welcome back to the Restore Podcast with myself, Owen Walker. In this session, I'm speaking with Seth Gillahan on mindful cognitive behavioral therapy. So what I wanted to do is dig in with Seth into his new book and look at some of the fantastic pearls of wisdom that he's written about in this new iteration. So Seth is a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, podcast host, and creator of the Think Act B online school. He specializes in mindful cognitive behavioral therapy, and he's also no stranger to the podcast and has joined me on an early episode speaking on a CBT deck, 101 practices for improving thoughts, being in a moment and taking action in your life. So what I thought we'd do is just dig into this new book and really just pull out some of the salient points that Seth mentions in there. Seth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me back on. Owen, oh, great to speak with you again. I've always enjoyed our discussions. Uh, listen, it's fantastic to have you back on and uh, just dig into this, this new book, actually, and the fantastic read that it is. And maybe if we could just start, actually, Seth, by just looking into sort of speaking to why you wrote the book in the first place and maybe some of the personal revelation um, and how, just how it's different to other pieces of work that you've written. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for your, your kind words about the book, both, you know, to me directly and, and uh, what you said just now, I was thinking about this leading up to our interview, you know, about why, why we write books and why I keep writing books. And <clears throat> it feels in a way like each one is a kind of, in a way, like a closer, like, like there's there's something we're trying to get at and we get maybe a bit closer with each successive attempt as we learn more, you know, and as, as more becomes revealed to us. And so this book to me, so I, quick history, my first book on CBT was Cognition and Behavior. It was Thinking and Doing. And then my second book, I asked the editor, I said, can I add mindfulness? Like, can I, you know, because I, do we have enough space where I can do it justice? And they said, that'd be great. So I added it. So it was those three pillars. But then what I've realized since that book came out over the past few years is that cognition, so what we think, what we do, and also the quality of, of presence or attention that we bring to each moment, those three things, they're not at all separate. They're really intimately connected and, and kind of inextricably connected. And it became more obvious to me through my own, you know, some struggles I've had with my health, you know, that you and I have, have talked some about. And I think what I realized through that process is that mindfulness is not just a kind of helpful add-on to CBT, but it really is just essential. It's an essential part of, of living well and finding true peace and also an essential way for making the practices of cognitive behavioral therapy more um, more relevant for our lives 
they can address you know those those things on a deeper level. I just want to make a, a comment, Owen, that one of the things I love about speaking with you is that you bring such a a, a real presence to our discussions. And if I can just you know, I don't think I'm sharing. Uh, anything too personal about you to say, you know, you mentioned to me that today had been, you know, there's a lot going on, maybe not necessarily, uh, you know, the smoothest of days. And yet, as soon as we start talking, you're right here. And that to me, that's what mindfulness is about is being present in a way that we can be available to the people that we're with. And I feel that I feel that from you. Thanks, Seth. I mean, I absolutely agree with, with that. And I absolutely want to make that connection with people I think it's and it's Im- imperative I think from an active listening perspective that that I'm uh, I'm present and indeed yourself and you speak within the book about um about sort of almost presence presencing to people and and mm-hmm. being present and and coming back into the moment as a as as a key concept really uh because we do get robbed quite significantly of our of of our here and now but I just wanted to maybe look at just what I got from the book really and honestly was this sense of vulnerability and really again resonate with you on this uh, Seth because I think to to almost get receive vulnerability from other people you have to model it to them and I think what you modeled to me in the book was this real sense of vulnerability you know your path your journey through a lot of suffering and indeed sort of self-disclosure on on uh, your your journey could you could you maybe speak to that because i'd love to know whether that was an intentional move um because i could really resonate with that mm, yeah yeah thanks so and you know i actually feel uh, hearing you describe it that way i feel quite uh, emotional um because i think you're exactly right it's a definitely a shift from my my past writing where maybe I would, you know, acknowledge like I deal with some stuff too, but it was, you know, quite guarded. I think, I think I played my cards just by nature, but quite close to my chest. I think, I think that shift for me really started kind of where this book began, which is in reaching the end of myself and realizing this, this image that I had or that I was, I felt I had to maintain of having it all together and of being, you know, sort of having having reached some, I don't know, some level of togetherness, you know, having all my stuff together. I felt like I had to maintain that in order to be credible or something. But people, I think all people know that that's just not, like there's nobody who has all their stuff together and it just feels false. And, and I think it disconnected me from myself, you know, from recognizing those those more, more vulnerable and more um, the parts of me that that uh, the the needs the real needs that I have just as a human being. So, so yeah, that, I mean, I I had this extended illness that then you know after I don't know a year or two really ended up um, kind of led me into a pretty deep depression, and I just felt hopeless. I felt suicidal. I felt uh, like I just you know this this statement just kind of kept going through my mind. Like I've just reached the end of myself. I've just reached the end of myself. And it felt like that was the end. You know, it felt like where I ended, life ended. 
but where my mind was really opened and kind of blown was when I realized that the end of myself was was the end of my my sort of isolated attempts to deal with stuff on my own. But there was a deeper part of myself that wasn't diminished by those things I was struggling with. And that that part of me, that deepest part of myself, which to me felt like my spirit, or maybe we call it our soul or or a spark of the divine or, or something, but that deep part of myself was right there and had always been there. And that where I ended, something else began. And that the thing that began was actually deeper and fuller and, and offered more than I could get just sort of with my own attempts in the past. This feels very abstract though. So I'm happy to kind of give this more legs as needed. Now, listen, I, I, I get that. I, I think contextually it really resonates because I think the more descriptive and practical you are both in the book and indeed in real life, it, it people really identify with that. And I think it, it allows access into, into the book. Uh, I certainly could, could identify with that, Seth. And I think it's a powerful tool. That honesty is actually really a powerful tool. And just another really central theme is this, this think, act, be. It's actually a really, I think, central theme in your life. And, you know, it yeah. resonates through your podcast, through your book. Um, and... Could you could you could you speak to that because it really is pivotal and also it, it has helped me actually just really contextualize where I want to be versus where I am in my mind and in my present state. Mm, yeah. So psychologists in in my view are we're good at using a lot of words and using big words for things that aren't always needed. So, so even like mindfulness, mindful, mindful cognitive behavioral therapy, I used to call it mindfulness centered cognitive behavioral therapy, like some more words, more letters and no, no more clarity. So really what it comes down to is just simple experiences, like these very elemental parts of our lives. What do we think? What do we do? And sort of how are we relating to our experience? So I a number of years ago and I was I think when I was creating my my blog on psychology today I had to give it a name and I was you know trying to think of something brief and I thought you know well think act be that captures the elements of cognitive behavioral therapy so the CBT part and then be for mindfulness for just that that being that presence but that was really before I realized how they all interlocked so well um, but I, but what I do like about it is that it, um, it's easy to, rem I mean, it's easy for me to remember actually when talking to other people that often say that was it think, wait, think, do, uh, wait, what mind think act, but, but once we've got it, think act B it's, uh, it's, it's simple. And it reminds us that we have these three things that we can use in the moment. Like when I'm struggling, like, oh my God, I'm feeling so overwhelmed by anxiety right now. Or I'm, you know, really finding myself, you know, worried about, oh, I've got this, this interview with Owen tomorrow. And what if I, what if I get sick? You know, oh, I like I have a scratch in my throat. So then I can, if I remember, I can think, oh, I have, I have three ways that I can address that. I can, you know, how's my thinking? Is that leading me astray? Oh, I'm making, I guess I'm kind of doing some fortune telling, imagining that I know how things are going to go tomorrow. Maybe I'll feel better by then. Are there things I can change with my behavior? So the act part, 
Like, can I, are there things I need to do to take care of my health? For example, are there fears I need to face that I'm avoiding? And then the B part, am I resisting something here that I can just accept? Like, yeah, maybe I will have to cancel this interview tomorrow. Like that's a possibility. Rather than trying to control the future that I can't control, I can only act in the now, I can release that false, that false sense of responsibility for I have to make tomorrow work out. You can't do it, buddy. Like all you can do is is act in the present. So so yeah, I think that's that's what I hope it helps people to do is remember like, oh, I've got these things I can do. And they're so simple. They're so simple. Listen, that's really powerful, Seth. And what I love um about your writing, indeed what I love about you as well is 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 that you really you really make it not only accessible, but you give practical steps. Um and you know the think hack b model is practical and can it because we do you know need actual chunked take home accessible steps to affect change because you write big words big concepts don't necessarily that they're just not retained and they're not used in 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 practice so they do need to be simple tools and one of your concepts in your book seth and i love this is this concept of goal setting and I've used it this year. I've done a few really difficult races and challenges, because and I've, I've only really stepped up to the plate because I set a goal. I paid for the for the race or and 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 for the equipment. And but I realize the power in that because it what it does is it causes you to rearrange your priorities, rearrange your reality. And rearrange your thinking to meet to meet the challenge you've so you've got skin in the game you have skin in the game could you could you speak to that because i, I you, you wrote that and i was sort of smiling in the book and i was smiling to myself about goal setting and appropriation to goal like coming towards your goal and i thought you know this is powerful stuff yeah yeah that's so cool cool that you use goal setting in your own life like that and you've experienced its power yeah it's interesting i with all these things that I do, you know, I, I try to, I try to help people help myself to find leverage, you know, so it's not advice. It's not like, oh, you should, you should do this. You should do that. Like go, you know, go off and take care of that. And then we just try to muster our willpower. Like I just need to be more disciplined, but we can find these tools that actually do increase our effectiveness. You know, I use metaphors like, you know, you could rake leaves by by hand, like just go out with your actual hands and go, you know, rake the leaves, but it's going to be frustrating and it's going to take a long time and you're, you're probably going to get discouraged and stop doing it or work less hard with an actual rake and, and get more done. So goals, goal setting, I think is one way of doing that. It's a tool that we probably don't recognize. We probably don't recognize how effective it is when we set a goal. Because as you suggested, it's exactly right. Once we once we allow ourselves to state a goal, even to ourselves, but also to other people, then we do kind of muster our, our energy and our resources toward that goal. So it gives us a focus and it helps us to know what we need to do to reach the goal and also what we need to, to eliminate or to give less energy to. So if I'm going to run this race, then maybe I'm spending less energy, you know, going out with friends or, you know, I'm maybe improving my diet in certain ways, but it really helps to, to have focus our efforts and, and help with setting priorities again, as you said, 
So I, I think we often hold ourselves back and we say, oh, I'm once I know I can do it, I'll set that goal. But I think that's backwards. Like we often get things backwards. So by setting the goal, we make it more likely that we'll actually reach it. So another concept, Seth, you mentioned. You should, you should, so one of the way things I would advocate in in the book, and I really would advocate listeners of the podcast to read Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. It's such a fantastic read. It's really natural narrative and it just seems to flow but one of the things I, I love is you spoke of leveraging these tools but the concept of behavioral leverage as well and I wonder if you could speak to behavioral leverage because it's it's definitely something you draw an analog from in, in your own experience and, and you bring it weave it nicely into the book could you could you maybe just unpack it yeah yeah for sure so again you know we have this idea oh I need to I just need to work harder if I'm, you know, I'm struggling to do a certain thing, I just need to be more disciplined. I just need to be consistent. And in a way, I mean, we, we only have a limited amount of willpower, so we're going to exhaust it at some point. I think sometimes we might also kind of self-handicap ourselves too, by which I mean, if I just rely on willpower, maybe I know probably unconsciously that at some point it's going to fail. And then I'm kind of off the hook. Like, yeah, I tried, but I just, I just wasn't able to do it. But if we, if we use other tools that give behavioral leverage, then, then we're sort of, we're more, it reinforces our commitment. So an example would be something like, you know, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to, well, like build a garden, that was a big example from my own life. Then I could just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out there and I'm just going to build this garden but it feels overwhelming. And I feel like I don't know where to start. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. You know, I'm going to build the beds in the wrong place or something. So one really powerful behavioral tool is just to break it down. I think a lot of us do this intuitively, but we probably underuse this, this technique. Just break it down into smaller steps because nothing, I mean, you know, the, 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 the garden redesign that I did was a big project, but it's not that if you know if i if i'd been overwhelmed by it it wouldn't have been because it was too hard but it was just too big cuz each individual step is very straightforward you know where am i going to like what what design am i going to use to build the beds where am i going to locate them where am i going to get my soil what am i going to plant so we break things down and then uh you know we schedule them so that we have a specific time to do them so we're more uh committed, more likely to follow through. Maybe we build in more accountability. Maybe we, we tell someone, you know, I'm going to finish it at such and such a time, or we plan to work with them. So they're going to show up and then like, we better be there too, because they're counting on us. So all of these are ways I think of, you know, with, with like with the lever, an actual lever, you know, you can push on the, on the short end, like close to the fulcrum. And it's, you know, it takes a lot of effort and it doesn't move very much, but you move further out you push with the same amount of effort, you get a lot more progress. So that's what I'm after. Listen, that's powerful. Seth, that's powerful. And I think it, it just another powerful concept you speak to in the book is coming home to yourself, to your true self, but also the self which is in love with yourself. And it's, it's not necessarily a, a nihilistic love, but a love which is just... Uh, a self-care love or, or indeed just an ap appropriation of 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 self-respect really mm -hmm. um you know and you, you the phraseology you use is is great you know you, you speak to 
yeah, coming home to yourself as an intentional sort of central move, Seth. And I, I, I wonder if you could speak to inner self-talk because I think it's a central piece as a paramedic. I rarely get access into from an external perspective, but maybe as a therapist, you get more access into because you you get to know patients a bit more. You you start to really unpack that or, or they, they start to let you into their self-talk and self-narrative, albeit debasing or otherwise. But could you, yeah, could you speak to sort of, yeah, the inner self-talk that should be inspected and, and how we can maybe change that internal dialogue? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are, we are in a relationship with ourselves all the time. And I think we often don't realize that. We don't realize the way that we're relating to ourselves, that there's an I and there's also a me and that those two are in connection. And without, I think, I think this is where a lot of the mindfulness comes in really, uh, is really useful, is in recognizing what that relationship is. You know, how am I relating to myself? You know, if I if I wake up in the morning and my thoughts immediately go to, you know, oh, I have to do all this stuff today and I'm going to screw this up and how can I avoid bad things happening? Then it feels it feels to me like what happens, and this is, I just think this is really sad. We do this so automatically, but it's kind of like we abandon ourselves. It's like we don't even say good morning to ourselves. It's just like you know, it's like if you if you walk in the door, you know for to see, I don't know, a loved one, your spouse, your your partner, your parent. And they immediately just start in like, you need to do this, you need to do this and this. And, you know, you, you better not F it up because, you know, then things are going to go really badly for you. Versus like, hey, how you doing? You know, where where are you today? Just a moment to kind of check in. And I think when we're willing to do that, when, we, when we're aware of that option, you, know, you wake up in the morning and just like... All right, where am I at this morning? Yeah. Good morning, Seth. You know, what's up? Then it's I think it's easier to to practice a kinder sort of inner inner talk, uh, that that self-talk. Um, because it's because we we're starting from a foundation of care. Like our care really starts with presence, just like I felt from you. You know, I feel that presence from you, which to me feels like genuine care. So taking that moment to check in with ourselves, and then again with, with mindful awareness, noticing what I'm saying to myself. Like you know, if I if I mess up in the morning, do I tell myself like uh, you know you're an idiot, or do I offer myself some kind of understanding? Like, all right, that's not what you meant to do, but you know, try again, or just you know, sort of laughing with ourselves. Like <laughs> that was kind of ridiculous. It takes practice, I think, because we're so used to doing things differently, uh, maybe to not being as kind to ourselves. It can even feel a little bit, um, I mean, kind of icky at first, like we're like self-love, like, ugh, like it sort of feels weird and too like, like sappy or something, but, but it gets better. And then like you and you against the world, like that's, that's a pretty strong combination. Seth, that's really absolutely true. And what, what I take from that and really advocate to other people is I, I know when I spent time in the morning, either meditating or just, or just right, doing a bit of a self-diagnostic because the cause and effect when I'm tired and impatient and haven't had that time, the cause and effect kind of happens 
simultaneously but what I do I think when I when I really have time with myself just to get into the day like you said do a self-check-in do a bit of a body check-in see where you are in your mind make sure the narrative is a positive one is the cause and effect curve you start to be able to gain leverage from so so whatever happens being a the, the root cause of an issue my I I can see it for what it's worth and I can actually just change the way I respond to it and 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 so I change my behavioral practices based on pulling a pulling give, giving myself time and a bit of a distance and so but I yeah when I'm not when I'm not rested when I haven't had that check-in and when I'm either tired hungry or otherwise something happens and I'm straight into the effect I'm typing the email I'm responding I'm there's no behavioral leverage there's no gap um and 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 my best self the best Owen is always when I've given myself that time to consider the options drain the emotion think with my logical head and actually respond with my mind and heart rather than just have this emotional reflexivity and but it, and it's powerful because it leads to such a better more fulfilling day mm. on the back end of it and uh, yeah yeah I, I so I again I resonate with that and uh, there's so many points within the book Seth which I think people will find uh, as really helpful navigation points and almost like just a map a, a, a navigation map to to navigate these the, the trials and tribulations of of of, of life and I, I guess it's just as an adjoiner and and to come into land on the conversation really Seth could you could you maybe, because I see it as, as a really helpful tool to navigate daily life, the book you've just written, could you maybe speak to what you hope people will indeed get out of the book? Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Owen. Um, yeah, I love what you were saying, really kind of alluding to this alignment among your the parts of yourself. Like my mind is here, my heart is here, my, you know, I can act from from that place of alignment versus a more kind of scattered response. And that to me feels like the really the heart of coming home to ourselves. Finding that pause, that gap that you mentioned, that sort of allows us all, everything to come back. You know, like we get sort of like like spread among these different different uh, places and times, and then just to like pause, come back, sort of re regroup all those parts for ourselves. That's what I'm hoping people will will be able to take from this book is that sense of of being at home with oneself, really at home. It may not be the home that you grew up in. Maybe home didn't feel like home, but it's that true home that's that's always been a part of us. I think that all of us long for that kind of mythical home. And finding that 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 to me is where we find hope. It's where we find healing. It's where we find peace. As the as the subtitle of the book suggests. So that's that's really what I, I hope. I hope people will will recognize themselves in, uh, in some of the, the things I describe and will will feel like there's uh, like there's every reason to hope. Listen, Seth, that's powerful. And then a powerful place to 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 finish. 
Well, I will say is that um, thank you for writing the book, actually. And also um, I'll put links in the show notes to Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Uh, I believe it's coming out tomorrow and um, you'll be able to access it online. And um, I will, yeah, put put, put links in the show notes because it's absolutely helped me. um, And indeed it will help. Uh, listeners to the podcast so we'll we'll put it in the show notes but thank you Seth for your time I always feel better from uh, a conversation with yourself well thank you so much for for having me on the podcast Owen it's been a great occasion to reconnect with you I really appreciate who you are and I also feel uplifted from this conversation so thank you